What's going on? We back at it again. Cuffing Season Chronicles. I'm yep. your girl, Liz. Yep. Sturge is in the building. And first and foremost, excuse me, first and foremost, ain't that how you, that's it, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. We have to say happy birthday to Monica. Happy birthday, Monica. She's the um, the latest feature on this week's episode. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, she has an interesting story. Very interesting story. You know, she, you know, she was really doing the shit. That a lot of you females be doing sometimes when y'all go through like some heartbreak, you know, you start questioning uh, yourself and yeah. everything. But it's actually a great story. And um, she actually did her Cuffin Season Chronicle going into her birthday. So as soon as we got finished, it was her birthday. So afterwards, we went and had a shot together, hey. you know what I'm saying? Because she got really emotional when she as she was Aww. telling her story, you know what I'm saying? She had to stop a few times to it's okay, wipe Monica. the tears and everything. We so all been like, there okay. before. But you know what? Because you came and you kept it real with us, you actually are going to help a lot of women out there who going through the same thing, who may eventually go through the same thing. So, you know what I'm saying? You always going to be enough, boo. Don't ever question yourself. And all my ladies out there, don't ever question yourself. You will Always be enough. Okay? Okay, sister soldier. <laughs> oh, so let's go ahead and get into this Coven Season Chronicle with Miss Monica. Yep. Y'all enjoy. Hi, my name is Monica. I'm 29 years old. I'm from Atlanta, and this is my Coven Season Chronicle. Okay, so in the late summer of 2013, um, this guy who I'm just going to call Chris, we met at a house party on the west side um, of Bankhead. And um, a friend and I, we were standing outside my car talking. I was parked on the side of the street. And um, we were actually leaving the party because the house party was too packed. It was too thick. We walked inside, and it was really hot. And we decided that we didn't want to stay. So we was just chopping it up outside of my car. And next thing you know, this guy pulls up in this silver Honda Civic. And um, he got his head all outside the window. And um, he, pretty, he pretty much just expressed interest. And surprisingly enough, he was really attractive, real um, cute, dark-skinned dude. And he asked me for my number, and I gave it to him. And that's pretty much what kicked off this whole thing. What attracted me to this person was basically his physical appearance. He was dark-skinned. He had a... Um, a clean cut. I really like guys with clean cuts. I don't like dreads. I don't like afros. I don't like any of that. I like clean cut dudes with fades. Waves is a plus. Um, the first time that we met, we did not have a public first date or anything like that. We pretty much hung out at his apartment um, off of University Avenue. Surprisingly enough, when I walked in, um, he was really clean. He was really neat. And he had a ton of books. So he definitely had the um, intellect. And I really quickly learned that he was from Haiti, and um, that was a plus, too. That night in particular, I can't not remember necessarily if we had sex the first night or whatever, but I definitely, um, all that is really blurry, to be honest with you. I began to really like this guy. Um, he was real. Tra he was well-traveled. He was really good with his money. Um, at the time that I had met him, he was a Morehouse man. And he had two jobs. He had his own place. He had his own car. 
And all of that was super attractive to me. Chris was really clean. He was really neat. Um, he had this huge Haiti flag up in his apartment. So I quickly learned that he was definitely from Haiti, or at least his roots were from Haiti. Um, but he was actually born or raised in Miami. So he had like the cultural aspect that I liked, and he had that that Miami feel to him. So he was really cute. And um, shortly after that, he transferred to my school, which was Georgia State University. And when he transferred there, we started really kicking it a lot real heavy. I remember in particular, he worked at this hotel off Peachtree Street. And I would also park my car off Peachtree Street because my dad's church is there. And I used to park there for free. And anybody that goes to Georgia State knows that um, parking is really um, hard to find. You can park in the blue lights and, you know, even as big as that parking lot is, you still never have, you know, um, any available parking spots. And then sometimes students are subjected to uh, paid parking. And so luckily my dad's church was literally right off of um, Cortland and what is that? Ralph McGill. And I would park there for free because I had the decal. And so luckily his um, job was literally like three blocks away. And so usually at the class or after hanging out at the library and doing homework, I would go and hang out with him at his job. And we would just have like little encounters like that outside of um, kicking it with him or whatever at his place. When we both had gaps in our schedules, we would meet up a lot. Um, sometimes we would link up and hang out around campus. We would get lunch together. And sometimes we would hang out at Anatolia's and get hookah. I definitely had a situationship, a long-term situationship with this guy. And we were on and off a lot, but mostly on. Um, we had a lot of really great times. Like one time in particular, um, it was doing Orange Crush. And a lot of y'all probably know what Orange Crush is, and a lot of y'all don't. Um, and for those that don't, Orange Crush is a huge beach party event. And me personally, I describe it as a freaknik for college students. And it began as just a beach party for Savannah State College students. And then over the years, um, it grew through word of mouth. And so every year we would go down. And so this particular year, um, a couple years after we met, we went down to Orange Crush and we drove. We were like three cars deep. It was like Two of his two cars full of his guy friends and one car with all my girls. And we went down there. So basically, when we went down to Orange Crush, um, I guess hanging around a lot of guys and having a lot of, you know, male influence, brothers, uh, male cousins, and even having a lot of male co-workers. You know, they talk about females a lot. And one of the things that I have always felt like guys didn't like was clingy females and so when we got down to Savannah, I just felt like because he had all his guy friends there and it was Orange Crush and it was a lot of, you know, females around. It was a lot to do. I just felt like he kind of wanted his space. And in actuality, that's not what he wanted. In actuality, he really just wanted to hang out with me. And um, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm getting choked up. Surge. Okay. And um, so basically the trip went well. The trip went well. We spent a lot of time apart throughout, um, throughout the trip. And it wasn't until after we got back to Atlanta where I realized that he really, really wanted me to incorporate him more in the things that we were doing. Like when we would go out at night, when we would get breakfast in the morning or lunch, he just really wanted me to incorporate him more. And I was like, okay, well, cool. And that was one of the good times that we had. But we definitely had some 
down some real, real low times. Um, one of the times that I had specifically was we had had unprotected sex. And as dumb as it sounds, I remember when he was about to come, he asked me, could he come inside me? And I liked him or whatever, whatever. I'm real pro-choice. So I was like, okay, cool, whatever. But after this, we're going to take a plan B pill. So I let him come inside me. <laughs> Looking back on it, it was pretty naive. But I let him come inside me or whatever. And so the plan was, and I was actually at his apartment. And so the plan was the next day, um, he had class and I had to work. And the plan was for him to go to class and then I go to work. And then after class and after I get off at work, we would meet at um, a CVS or a drugstore and he was going to pay for the plan B pill. And long story short, when that time came for us to link up throughout the day, he was a no show. He was a no show. A couple of days had passed and I was like, OK, well, I see it. I'm just going to have to go ahead and buy it myself. And so when I would have these conversations with him, about like how I felt like he let me down or I felt like, you know, me personally, when I'm taking a plan B, even though I'm real pro-choice, I really feel embarrassed, um, sort of to say, to walk into the drugstore because I feel like it's a, a little bit impersonal to, you know, ask for the drug because even the pharmacist, you know, knows what you're buying it for. When you get up to the cashier, they know what you're buying it for. And I really just don't like a lot of people in my business. And so I was really just kind of upset that he was not there, at least for um, emotional support. And obviously it wasn't a priority to him. And that was one of the bad times. But some of the good times that we had, we would do things like when I would come over, we had moments where we like to watch world star hip hop. World Star Hip Hop, if anybody was on that, um, if anybody ever logged onto that website, you would know that they always had these compilations. And we, that was just our thing. We always just watched the compilations. We would always just uh, kick up, kick our feet up and watch the compilations. And um, uh, what I liked about him too was he mentally stimulated me. He was very interesting. He was very challenging. He always challenged my thoughts. He was real smart. And I learned a lot from him. And one of the things that I always learned from him that I never forget, whether we continue to be friends or whatnot, is he always told me, Mo, don't ever make excuses to travel because he was so well traveled. And he always never made an excuse to travel. He would always save his money. He was he would always make it work. And so he always told me, Mo, don't ever make excuses to travel, because if you wait on your friends to travel and to see the world, it'll never happen. So we had a lot of really great moments and stuff like that. But one particular moment in that we had that I would definitely say really define the beginning of the end of our situationship was this moment that I had at the bar and I'll never forget um, at that time I was working at the Publix and at a Publix. I'm not going to say where it was, but I was working at a Publix and um, a co-worker and I, we decided to go hang out at the um, sports cafe on Terra Boulevard. And so basically it was her, her guy friend or this guy that she was dating at the time. I'm not sure if they were actually together and it was me. Kind of like the third wheel or whatever, but she didn't make me feel like that. So I wasn't really worried about that. And so basically, um, before we even got there, he pretty much, we talked on the phone prior to that happening. And he pretty much uh, was calling to see what I was doing for that night. And I was like, you know, me and Kia, we about to go to 
the sports cafe on Terrell Boulevard. And he was like, okay, cool. You know what I'm saying? Uh, me and a couple of my friends um, and my cousin and stuff like that, we're going to go to Dugan's on Old National. And I was like, okay, cool. So me and Kia, we get to the sports cafe. We're there for maybe about like not even an hour. I'll say at least 45 minutes. And um, I had a couple drinks myself, nothing real heavy. And um, he hit me up and he was like, Mo, you know, da da da. Are you still, you know, at um, at the sports cafe? And I was like, Yeah. He was like, I right, bet I'm about to pull up. So he pulls up. I'm under the impression that he's going to pull up alone, and he actually pulled up with some people, which was him, his male cousin, um, his female best friend, and this other young lady who he claimed to not have uh, known at all that they just met that night, and for them and so when we get there we're cool and the first thing he do he like okay mo let's take some shots you know first round on me so i'm like okay cool we go to the shots he's like what you know what you want and i get 1800 i always get 1800 that's pretty much my drink of preference and so we taking our first round of shots and we good we at the bar we chilling we flirting and the chemistry is definitely there um and so, you know, we drink, you always have to, go to, have to go to the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom and I'm like, OK, well, before I go, I just want to let you know that when I get back, um, the second sh- uh, the second round of shots is on me. And he like, all right, cool. Bet. And so I go to the bathroom and I come back out of the bathroom and he has left the bar and he was actually, he went to go sit down with the young lady who he had claimed to have just met that night. She was light-skinned, she had braids, she was cute, whatever, whatever. And so I was like, okay, cool, I'm about to go sit that, sit back down with my homegirl Kia and the other people that he came with. And we all just at the table, we kicking it, da-da-da-da. And I'm not, I wasn't really too pressed about, you know, um, why he went to go sit over there with her or why they were sitting at the table alone, what were they talking about, you know, if they were into each other because, um... I honestly don't have trust issues and um, I don't have trust issues. So I wasn't I wasn't really phased by it. Um, I'm a social person. I talk to guys all the time. So I wasn't really worried about it. And so we at the table. We just kind of having our own personal conversation or whatever. And a couple minutes go by. I say maybe about 20 minutes go by. And I look back <laughs> and those two were at the table kissing Um I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Um, I couldn't believe it. And immediately I felt embarrassed because even though, you know, you go to the bar or whatever, whatever, and you like to think that people aren't watching you, but realistically people watch you, at least subconsciously they be watching you. And I felt like, you know, when we were at the bar and when we first came in, people probably noticed the chemistry. People probably thought that we were together. And then people, next thing you know, see you sitting at the table kissing, you know, this girl. And they probably just like, man, what the heck is going on? You know what I'm saying? First he with this girl, now you with this girl. And it was just a mess. And so the next thing you know, um, Kia and I, was, we decided to leave. And she was like, you girl, you're not going to say nothing to him? And I was like, no, nah, I mean, I'm, I'm not about to say anything to him. And I just left. And the next thing you know, his female best friend, she pretty much just comes behind me. And um, she walks with me to my car. And she just like, girl, are you okay? And I'm just like, no, I'm not okay. She's like, you know, well, from woman to woman, you know, despite the fact that that's my best friend and stuff like that, you know, I definitely understand, you know, your level of embarrassment and how you feel, you know, even though that's my best friend, it's not right. And I was like, you know, but that still didn't keep the tears from uh, coming because they definitely fail hard. And I think, um, and the crazy part about it is, is the bar was actually 
like less than five minutes from my house. And um, that was definitely our turning point. I, I definitely, the beginning of our downfall. And even though that night after the bar went, I guess once he noticed that I was gone, he was blowing up my phone and he just pulled up at the crib and he tried to apologize and stuff like that. But that was pretty much it. And I definitely would say that um, that following day, we had a real heart-to-heart conversation on the phone. Um, and I cried. He was really upset. And I think pretty much from that conversation, we decided that we both weren't we weren't good for each other, you know. And it wasn't because he was a bad person or I was a bad person. I just think that from that conversation, what I got was, he wasn't ready to be in a relationship and he felt like he shouldn't have to justify his actions to any female who he didn't who he didn't want to be in a relationship with. And that pretty much was his excuse, even though he apologized. That was that was his excuse or that was him justifying his actions pretty much. Um, but honestly, I don't really think that he was ever really sorry. Um, and so basically that was. Even though after that, to be honest with you, though, we kind of stopped talking for a long while. Well, I wouldn't say a long while. I'll say about three months. We stopped talking. All communication was cut off. Like, I deleted him from all social media outlets. Um, and I know it probably sucks, but I can't necessarily remember which one of us um, initiated conversation after that three months. But we ended up hooking back up or whatever, whatever. And even though we were still kick it and I would still go to his house and we would, you know, do what we do. Um, my perspective or my outlook on him definitely changed a lot. Um, I think you, I guess you could say, you know, if it's safe that I lost a lot of respect for him um, that day. I knew that even if we continue to have sex, even if we continue to go over, even if we continue to still, you know, do intimate things or he was still sweet. And even if he still cared to inquire about my day, I knew what kind of person that he was. And I knew from that day that regardless of all his nice gestures and, all these other things that he still wasn't going to be ever ready to be in a relationship or at least not with me. So yeah, our, our situation never, you know, developed into any real relationship. We just kind of was a long-term situation ship. Even though I felt like at times we were, you know, in a relationship, I would definitely say that this cuffing season situation lasted from the late summer of 2013 to the present day but the only difference between um then and now is our last sexual encounter was definitely october of 2018 and since then we have not had sex and in fact the huge reason to that might be because he doesn't even live in the united states anymore he actually is gone to london and so he's long gone now so even if i wanted to try to rekindle anything he's not even here Throughout this whole experience, I can definitely say that I learned a lot about myself. And I know this sounds cliche, but I did learn a lot about myself. And one of the most common things I learned about myself is that despite how much you really like a person or like a man or how much you may think highly of yourself or what you think that person may need that you have and the qualities that you possess, you can't change no one's outlook or their perspective if not if they're not ready to be in a relationship like regardless of how pretty I thought I was and how intellectual I thought I was how goofy and funny I thought I was and for every time that I felt like I made him laugh for every time I listened you know to him when he would vent or just share things and even just acted like I 
cared. None of that changes a person. Despite how much chemistry you have, none of that will ever change a person's mind if they are truly not ready to be in a relationship. And I will say, and I don't mean to uh, rewind a little bit, but I knew that I began to really like him when a little bit after we met, I actually will never forget. I had stayed over that night and I woke up and um, I can't necessarily remember if we were about to get ready to go to school or what. But I, 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 I just remember asking him, like, what was his intentions? Like, what were his intentions? You know, did he did he want a relationship? Was he looking for a relationship? Like, were you looking for a companion? You know, were you just looking to mess around? And um, even though that's not what I wanted to hear, he definitely was like, no, nah, I'm not ready for a relationship. But, yeah, I still stayed. Um, bittersweet that I stayed, but I stayed, um, how did it, my, this coming season definitely changed me. I would say some for the good, some for the worst. Um, I think anytime that you have, uh, sexual relations with people or have sex with people, period, um, especially when they don't really have any intentions to gain anything from you like long-term situations or relationship or if they don't really aspire to have a marriage with you or anything a family or or just anything with you um I feel like you you lose yourself or at least I lost myself a little bit um I will definitely remember I definitely remember a time when um the latter part of last year too well now I wouldn't wouldn't even say the latter part of last year the middle the middle of last year 2018 um I started seeing him posting you know a a snapchat of this girl and i never forget she was at his apartment and at this time he had lived in his new apartment and he was off riverdale road now and he was living in his new apartment i was like you know i've been there before so i know the couch i know the living room i know everything i know where his bed is and she was sitting on his couch and she had on this oversized t-shirt and that was it and i kind of figured that it was his well at least i assumed that it was his and they were just all kind of like caked up and he posted her on his snapchat and I felt some type of way. And in fact, I felt a whole lot about um, about that. And um, from there, he began to post her more um, at social gatherings, not only just, you know, when they would link up at the date in, in, in nighttime, in the nighttime, excuse me, but he would also post her when they would link up in the daytime. And I was like, oh, man, I really he really liked this girl. And so that changed me because I began to feel like, you know, what did you see in her that you didn't see in me? Like, I wasted all this time waiting on you. I felt like um, I was strung along. Well, at least I I felt like I gave him permission to string me along, at least in my young, naive mind. Um, <laughs> but when he began to publicize his feelings for her and he began to broadcast their relationship, I lost myself a little bit and I began to question my own self-worth, my own value. And I was like, you know, why is it because she got long hair? Is she is it because she's light skinned? Like what what about her, you know, was that you liked, you know, that you were able, able, able to be exclusive with her, that you couldn't be exclusive with me, especially considering the fact that we were, you know, dealing with each other for such a long period of time. And um, all of that made me as well confused. Um, I was confused for a real long time. Um, and it began to make me real sarcastic towards him. You know, so when he would say like little sweet nothings, um, I just didn't believe him anymore. Um, and that's when that sarcastic, um, angry black woman started to come out. Um, yeah, like 
all the trust definitely was gone. Um, I didn't believe anything that he said anymore. Even when we would have sex, um, and some of y'all are probably like, why are they still having sex if you know he didn't want to be in a relationship with you? And you see him with this girl and da-da-da. But, you know, when you have feelings for somebody, it's not always, you know, as easy to detach um, from that person. And especially when that person is still giving you a lot of mixed signals. Because at that same time, yeah, he was he would like to say he was exclusive, or at least I perceive he was exclusive with her. Um, but there was still a lot of mixed signals, you know. Like he would always want to link up. Um, he would still always invite me to, you know, social events like little parties and kickbacks and stuff that not only he was having, but his homeboys were having stuff like that. Like his homeboys and stuff like that when I would come around, they would always still welcome me. You kind of felt like something was still there. Not only did I learn that um, you can't change someone's um, mind on whether or not they're ready to be in a relationship, but I also learned that I love hard. I always tell myself sometimes when you have a big heart, I feel like you tend to tolerate more than what you you should. Um, and I tolerated a lot from him. I tolerated a lot from him, especially the bar situation. The bar situation was definitely like the tip of the iceberg for us. But I know that um, I also learned that I am super capable of compromising. So basically, like I said, what I learned about this process is as simple as it is, you can't change someone's mind about whether or not they're ready to be in a relationship. All you can do is try to, um, if when you're dating, to at least try to get to know people who at least have, you know, the same type of goals as you. You know, if they're looking for a companionship and you're looking for a companionship and neither one of y'all are looking for anything serious, then cool. If you're looking for someone who, you know, aspires to be married and they're looking to have something, you know, long-term and something solid, then those are definitely the guys that I should be um, <laughs> giving my energy and my time to from uh, from that situation forward. I'm not going to make this person out to be a bad guy because he's definitely not a bad guy. We've had our highs and lows like any other, you know, um, like any other situationship or any other relationship. We've definitely had our highs and lows. Um, I would just definitely say that from here on out, I would definitely um, be on myself about paying attention to the red flags a little bit more. I would like to describe him as that guy who, you know, we've all read about in the Zane books, you know, that dark skinned chocolate brother who was educated and he had all his ducks in a row. Um, and that's definitely what I felt like um, kept me in this situation a little longer than what I should have. Um, or at least why I've tolerated a lot more from this guy or from this situation than I should have. And a lot of us as females, we get choked up sometimes about how a guy looks, his conversation, the chemistry, what kind of car he drives, what kind of job he has. And in reality, none of those things, you know, define how long y'all will last together. And it definitely blinds us, you know, because you begin to pay attention to more so how he looks and what he has as opposed to what the reality of the situation is. And the reality of the situation is, is I wanted a relationship from him and he did not want one from me. And... That was the most hurtful, but at, at the same time, the, the most um, impactful message that I got from that situation with him. So, yeah. And that's my cover season chronicle. Yeah, it seems like it was hard, man. You got it choked up a lot, of, a lot of times a lot, but within it. Um, I get shy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got shy. Oh, <laughs> I, um, I, think, I think one question a lot of people would want to know is, how did you allow it to last four years? 
how did I allow it to last for years was definitely because um, it was a lot of mixed signals. It was a lot of mixed signals. It was a lot of times I felt like that, that he really liked me, that he really cared about me, that he had feelings for me and that this could go somewhere. Um, like one particular situation when he graduated, um, because like I said, he was from Morehouse. He transferred to Georgia State. And so that's where he finished from Georgia State. And um, he had a graduation party. And at this graduation party, it was at this real big old nice fancy house in Fayetteville that his aunt owned. And when I got there, I'm thinking that, you know, it's going to be like a party, you know, with a lot of friends, homeboys, homegirls, whatever. And when I got there, it was a lot of family. And I was really surprised because that was his mom was there. His sisters were there. Um, people that influenced him growing up, like, uh, you know, male mentors, childhood homeboys, like everybody that was important to him was there. And so I guess you could say I felt important. I felt like he cared about me. I'm thinking like, you know, out of all the women I'm sure you probably deal with, you know, you why did you choose to bring me around your family? Why did you choose to introduce me to all these people who 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 mean a lot to you, you know, who have encouraged you, who have influenced you? In a lot of different ways. And it would it would be moments like that where I'd be like, okay, well, one minute you posting, you know, Instagram and Snapchat videos of girls. And the next minute, you know, you're inviting me to, um, to all these, you know, intimate settings to where I feel like only people who you really aspire to have a relationship with, only, you know, people who you, you know, really cared about and like that you really cared to introduce to your family, you would bring around. And so it was a lot of confusion. It was a lot of confusion. And um, another thing, too is he was he was a gentleman, you know. Um, a lot of times when I would go over to his house, he was just always hospitable, and um, he liked to cook. And so that was one of the things that he did for me all the time when I went to go see him, is he would cook. So he had his ways of definitely making you feel uh-huh. special. Okay. So I guess you get stuck. Okay, but when you're dealing with somebody for four years, all things considered, like mixed signals are going to be sent out, is it? It's inevitable, you know what I'm saying? But I'm sure there was a time when you came to him and was like, okay, what are we, what are we doing? And what was his response when you came to him like that? Um, To be honest with you, after that very first conversation, a little bit after we first met, then he told me that he didn't want a relationship. That was the, that was the last time. That was the first and the last time I ever asked about it. I left it alone. Because you knew where he stood? I knew where he stood. There was no point of asking. Okay. But like I said, it would be those those moments of where you would bring me around your friends and and your homeboys would know me. And I met your moms, you know, I met your uncles and your family and them, your sisters. And it would be just moments like that where I just felt I felt confused. Okay, it's like so you say you one thing, but wrong. you mean another. OK, so do you think that he was wrong for doing the things that he was doing? Because like because like you say that he was giving mixed signals. But on the flip side is a lot of people would just make the argument that he was just treating you good. I wouldn't necessarily say that he's wrong because different perspectives will give you different answers. Uh-huh. I would definitely say from my perspective and in Monica's shoes, I don't bring men around my family. I don't bring men to meet my father. I don't bring men to meet my, my mother, my brother. Not I don't, nobody that you're not serious No, about. if you're not serious with me, I'm not bringing you around people who I look up to. So... I mean, I I would say that he was wrong, but I mean, he would probably feel like there's nothing wrong with what he did. So, like I said, depending on your perspective, you'll get different answers. Okay. So, with everything that took place, you know, in, you know, the four years and him telling you that 
he didn't want to be in a relationship and, you know, giving out mixed signals and everything. And then, of course, the uh, situation that happened at the bar with the young lady. Now, here's the question. Like, they was kissing. <laughs> now, you know, typically when people be kissing in the bar, they are drunk. So it's like it's not just regular kissing. It's like they tongue kissing. They tasting each other's juices. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was like when you saw it. Mm-hmm. And she tried to comfort you knowing that you and him was dating or doing whatever. She tried to comfort it's you. It's my best friend? Yeah. Yeah, she tried to comfort me. I feel like it was, you know, I, I, if anything, I lost respect for him, but I gained respect for her. You know what I'm saying? Because at the same time, she could have been like, yo, that's my best friend. And yeah, he wrong, but my loyalty lies with Chris. Okay, question. So you left. Yeah. And she was still there with him. Yeah. She walked with me to my car to kind of comfort me and stuff like that and to let me know, like, even though she probably wouldn't never uh, tell him that from woman to woman, I feel uh, you. I feel your pain because as a woman, I probably dealt with guys who have, you know, done me dirty too. So I felt like there was some respect game for her at uh, that moment. She fucked him that night. I just want you to know that. That's no, I'm talking about the best friend. No, no, the girl, the best friend is not the one who was sitting at the table with him. Okay. The best friend was the one she came with him, but he came with this other little light skin oh, yeah, chick. Yeah, okay, so it was a totally no, different totally girl. different girl. Uh, yeah, okay, no, okay. not totally the, different girl. Not the same people at okay, all. Okay, so the girl that was kissing him didn't even come outside. No. no, 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 she was too busy. She was too busy with her mouth and her tongue all down this Negro throat. So they were still inside kissing, mm-hmm. playing uh, tongue hockey or whatever. <laughs> Pretty much, yep. He didn't notice I was gone for a minute. Oh, yeah, he definitely fucked her that night. Definitely did. Definitely, definitely. No, nah, he didn't fuck her. How you know? Because he stayed the night with me. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, see, it's always a monkey wrench at the end. It's always a monkey wrench at the end I'm of not, these I'm not, I'm not proud okay, of this, wait, 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 wait. by the way. I'm not. Okay, hold I'm up. Not. So you went outside crying. His best friend is outside comforting you. But he's still inside doing God knows what with the young lady. And then at the end of the night, he was in your bed. Mm-hmm. It's coldest nigga I know. Cold, <laughs> cold, 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 cold. That's exactly how you. Po- Look, man, it's funny now, you yeah. know, but looking back on it, man, I was just like, man, you just dumb, you know, dumb, so y'all young, had and sex. naive. So y'all had sex that night? Yeah. He oh. apologized. He. You know how they diff- they say, you know, people have different love languages. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a little small detail that I left out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We had really great chemistry, you know, and surprisingly, as long as we lasted, we never had oral sex. He never went down on me. I never went down on him. So that night, yeah, I, I, felt like his, his, I felt like his genuine apology was him going down on me. He had never done it. Uh, okay, so did he go down on you or did he go down, down on you? He went down. I don't think he really knew what he was doing, but uh, at least he tried. Uh, and I felt like that was him apologizing. apologizing and oh, You know what? You know what? He's a, he's a true player. That's a player. That's a player right there. That's a player. That's just like when Jody hit I feel Yvette. like he wanted Jody. Yeah, yeah. When Jody hit, hit Yvette and then he went down. Exactly. Ooh. So y'all had sex and he went down on you. Yeah. Okay. Y'all had unprotected sex tonight, didn't you? Yeah. I do it. I do it. I do it. Hey. All right. Here's another question. One more question. Mm-hmm. Did you cry while y'all was doing it? Mm-mm. I you, didn't cry. You didn't cry. Mm-mm. But you was... Taken care of. You uh, you felt a little Yeah, comforted. I mean, but like I said, even though 
you know, he went down on me and all that. And I felt like that was his love language. Like that was his way of apologizing, you know, via a gesture. Um, we still had that hard conversation the day after. So I feel like that didn't change anything. Okay. But he was willing to have the hard conversation with mm-hmm. you. Okay. That In fact, up. he initiated that hard conversation. He called me. Okay. Well, that's good because, you know, I'm going to tell you, men... The hard conversation, especially in relationships, we ain't we ain't really about that all the time. I mean, we just been through yeah. we we done been through some things, you know. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. even proud to say it, you know. Um, I'm not proud to say it, but you know, dealing with this dude, you know, was an emotional roller coaster, you know. Um, and I tell my homegirls all the time, and I'm really open with it. Um, during this time that I was with him, I actually took two Plan B pills, you uh, know, with him, and so mm-hmm. that was emotional, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. It was emotional. So. Okay. Uh. So. Just keep it a buck. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> and I think this is like a real question to ask. Okay. Um. If he wasn't in London, he's out of the country mm-hmm. right now. So if he wasn't in London, let's just say y'all haven't y'all haven't had sex since October. Mm-hmm. And he's not in London. So let's just say he just hits you up tonight. It's not happening. No, no, no. Just listen. I'm not talking about to have sex, but he hits you up and tries to start the process of y'all really being in a relationship. Like he calls you and says, "You know what? Listen, I apologize. I did a lot wrong, you know, whatever like that. I want to be with you. I don't expect you to give me an answer tonight, but I really want to be with you, and I'm willing to do what it takes to be with you." What's your response? My response would be no. And the only reason why I say no is because I have a really big heart. I have a really big heart. And I give people a lot of passes. And with this guy, I gave him too many passes. Uh, so I feel like sometimes even the people with the biggest uh, hearts, you know, you you get worn out about, you know, you get worn out with people, you know. And it's like, yeah, we can still hang out. We can still be friends. But I don't really think I'm just ready you know, or ever will be ready ever again to to go back down that road with you. So no, the damage has been done. You cool. You still attractive and everything, but you showed your ass. Can't get over that. You know, never get over that. Reclaiming my time. <laughs> but I definitely say that I feel like, you know, even though we last had sex in October, we haven't you know, had sex, we would have like these huge gaps in between when we would have yeah. sex and stuff like that. But it wasn't until, you know, last year or even up until he got ready to move to London where I felt like he started to really value our friendship or at least value me. Mm-hmm. Like that was the first time where like all of last year up until he left where he would just be like, let's go, let's go to the Mexican, let's go get something to eat, and, you know, and now he's paying for my food, he's paying for my margaritas, he's paying for my hookahs, you know, um, he's coming to pick me up, he's, you know, making sure I get home now, you know, like, if anybody ever been to Fayetteville, what, what's the name of that place called, um, that little amusement park? They changed the name, the little, the little, um, amusement park in Fayetteville. It's an amusement park in Fayetteville. Yeah. I don't go It used to, to be to called, uh... Dang, I want to say it's called Metro Fun Park or something like that. Metro Fitness? Fitness? No, no. it's an amusement park. No, it used to be called, Dic- it used to be called Dixieland Fun Park. I know what you're talking Dixieland about. Dixieland Fun Park. And because black people started moving into the neighborhood and demographics of Fayetteville started changing, they had to change the name to something less uh, historically racist. But anyway, um, 
over the summer we went to Dixieland Fun Park. And, you know, they started putting money into the park. So it was nice. They got Ferris wheels and stuff out there, racetracks. And we went out there, and I felt like for the first time, we just had a really, really good time. We were out there being big kids, but there was no intimacy. It was just us going out, like, as friends. Um, And then that's when we started hanging out a little bit more and doing, like, things like going to the Mexican and stuff like that. We can go to parties together now, and he doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. I ain't worried about who he's talking to or who he up in the kitchen. You know, when you're at people's house, they had kid at the house. And I don't care, you know, who's in your face or whatever. It's just, we're just cool. You know, yeah. that's just cool. And if we the have sex in between, the respect the, is there. It's, but you know, it's, yeah. that that's just it. You know what I'm saying? But but y'all are still comfortable with each other, and y'all are still cool. But that's mm-hmm. just it. Yeah, but that's just I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm like you, that. no no emotional attachment. Like okay. I feel like he done ran me dry. Oh, mm. So not like like that. But I'm just saying emotionally. Okay, I'm, bro, um, I was about to say you no. got a little Beetlejuice <laughs> over there. <laughs> no, Remy Dry like emotionally. Like I just don't have nothing left to pour into him. Like I'm just kinda uh-huh. um I'm good. Okay. I'm good on him. Well, okay. Well, thank you for sharing your cuffing season chronicle. And uh one of the best things about this, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like you was getting emotional and everything like that. But what? the thing is, um, it's late, but it's actually the beginning of your 29th birthday. <laughs> yep. 29 is my last year in my 20s, you guys. Yes. Yeah, so she brought in her 29th birthday here on uh, Cuff and Season Chronicles. You know what I'm saying? I tried to get her to come in tomorrow night. She was like, nah, nah, nah. I'm going to be out turning it. <laughs> yeah, I'll turn it up. You know what I'm saying? She got to get her edges laid down and everything. Yes, of course. I got to get my face beat. I got to be cute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I gotta be. I gotta be cute. Don't be laughing. I gotta be cute. I gotta be cute. But yep, I brought my birthday in here. Yep. So I'm. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. See, you know, what I'm saying you got all that emotion out. You know, what I'm saying. So now you can go out there, and start off the the new year, <laughs> the new year 29, looking for some new penis. I guess. Oh <laughs> man, I'm not looking for anything. Um, I'm not. I'm not looking for anything. Let the right one slide. In. Oh, so so the right one slide in your DMs. You not. You not open. I mean, I'm open to it, but I think. I think men just as of recently, and I mean recently, recently, I'm not, I'm not looking, I'm not looking. Just focus. I'm not looking. Just I'm not looking because, you know, one of the things that I feel like women have to remember is, we're the prize. I'm the prize. I'm not about to go men look are for the you. Prize too. We, they we are the prize, too. but at the same time, yeah, don't, don't, don't don't we're the prize. Y'all benefit, but we're the prize, you know. Um, at least that's how we were always conditioned to think, you know. When you yep. when you read and you watch all those Cinderella movies and Beauty and the Beast and and all this, you know, all your fairy tale characters, women like the the main character Cinderella, she's the prize. The man went after her, so I think definitely right now I'm not, I'm open to it, but I'm not I'm not chasing. I ain't chasing nothing, and I ain't forcing nothing. So that's it, Sturge. So. Do you think your next cuffing season experience will be better because of the things that you learned from the situation? I know it'll be better. I know it'll be better. It'll be better. You know, you you live and you learn, you know. And when I first met him in 2013, I was 23. 23 in college, you know, I think I had only really been in one real relationship because prior to going to Georgia State, you know, um, I transferred to from Savannah State and – um, I was in a relationship there with a guy who I only knew him for about two weeks. And um, then I transferred to Georgia State. 
met this guy, Chris, but I know it to be better because I've learned. I've learned a lot. I'm mature. I'm, you know, I'm just always growing. I'm a work in progress, but I definitely am way different from my 23-year-old self, so. All right, and like that, we gone. Cuffin' Season Chronicles. Happy birthday, Monica. Happy birthday, Monica. <laughs>